With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broadcasting live from the historic studios at Sunset and Gower in Hollywood, California. This is uh, another edition of Tango Angeles. I'm Ronaldo, your host. It's April 2nd. We are live. And traditional tango. What, what is traditional tango? Really, what is tradition? Loosely, it's something we pass on from one generation to another. And it's something that we uh, teach future generations about a certain moray or a certain practice that we have in our particular cultures. Tango is not any different. Tango is a culture. It's a language. And cultures have been lost, we know that, just by simply losing a language. And with Tango, this language is very important to preserve because tango was forged back in the days when uh, there was a, a great deal of pressure on people to do certain things, and they danced tango a certain way, and that we call the traditional tango. This is the tango that was danced by the people of the golden era, and those people learned their tango from the people that came before them. These, these people contain the language and the culture of the tradition that we must preserve. It's our responsibility to preserve this language so we never lose it. There's so much noise in the world these days that sometimes the most meaningful things escape us. And, you know, the old... Um, adage, the, the most beautiful things come in the smallest packages. In tango, the most precious people that I've discovered in, in my own experience, the old milongueros and milongueras, contain this DNA that's been imprinted in them since so long ago. And I'm sorry to say, they are dying at an alarming rate. And unless we embrace these people and somehow clone them into our experience so that we can carry this forward also for future milongueros and milongueras, it will be lost. And tango was almost lost uh, when it was exiled from Argentina. And fortunately, tango found a home all over the world. And it's morphed into a lot of different expressions of it. But really, when you get rid of all the noise and the, the, the flashiness of it all, what it really comes down to is men 
wanting to hold women. Back in the old days, men went to practicas and danced with other men for as long as three years before they even saw the inside of a dancing hall. And it wasn't until the men dancing with other men felt that these men were ready to dance, they did not see the inside of a dancing hall. That was the whole purpose. So it's, it's really quite a simple concept. And as uh, Christine Denniston put it, for a man that we call a lead, quote-unquote lead, it's nothing more than following the follower and responding to what women want out of the dance. That's the way it was danced. Our show tonight is about that. And uh, our show is going to begin with an interview that I did with uh, a gentleman by the name of Ray Barbosa. He is such a man who works very hard and very diligently to preserve this language. Milongueros, after all, is nothing more than native speakers of tango. These are people who grew up during the golden era. And when they go, tango goes. Again, if we don't preserve this. So our show tonight is dedicated to the old nameless milongueros. Ray gives names to the nameless and a voice to the voiceless. You know, many of these people, you wouldn't know that they were extremely gifted dancers. Most of them are everyday people. Some are delivering, uh, Carlos Gavito, for example, delivered uh, produce from a truck. Um, Her- uh, Ruben Haringbat is a postal worker. So these are just common everyday people who loved a, 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 a genre that they embodied. And sometimes because of all the noise in the world, these people come around and we don't even know who they are and we may very well miss out on them unless we embrace them. The Chicago Mini Tango Festival is a, is a sh- uh, venue that's produced by Ray Barbosa. He brings these people to North America. And we sat down with him recently. He was generous enough with his time to join us at our studio here at Universal Broadcasting Network. And the second portion of our show is dedicated to one such treasure of a woman, the woman that we aspire to dance with, Milonguera Extraordinaire, my own personal tango goddess, Anna Wiseman. She is uh, the woman that I look forward to dancing with one day when I got good enough to dance with. She is a woman who, who inside of her heart and soul, she, she gives tango. And men, this is the type of woman that we want to listen to, that we want to follow and embrace and lead us into ecstasy. And before we begin with Ray Barbosa, I want to play a song to kind of get us in the mood. Speaking of traditional tangos, uh, this uh, next song is coming from uh, Adolfo Caravelli. He was one of the original leaders of OTV, the Orquesta Tipica Victor. 
And the name of the track is Inspiración. This is going to inspire us into, into um, feeling the tradition of the tango. You know, Adolfo Caravelli, uh, after he left his uh, indelible Marcon tango, virtually disappeared. He, he died alone, a lonely man, but not after he left such greatness for us to continue listening to over and over again. He was uh, rediscovered in the mid-90s after a long playing disc, an LP, titled Las Orquestas Olvidadas, The Forgotten Orchestras, came out in uh, 1980. And he was rediscovered. So we're going to uh, play a track and uh, we'll be, uh, after that, we'll uh, start in on uh, the interview, part one of the interview with Ray Barbosa. Stay tuned. del dolor cruzaron en bandada los recuerdos del ayer trayendo en voz aquel querer donde quemé la dulce fe de mi ilusión hecha canción plegaría en flor que ayer bordé en el calor del cuchitril de Bohemia en sueño azul que me dejó el sinsabor de mi anemia se tronchó mi corazón y en la esperanza van a que asomara mi balcón y qué fatal me trajo el mal Thank you. 
Welcome back to Tango Angeles. In our studio with us today, we have the greatest pleasure of hosting Ray Barbosa. Ray is the uh, quintessential supporter of the, well, what I call the traditional, uh, some people might call it Milonguero style. He is the organizer president of one of the uh, Chicago uh, Tango Festival. It's hosted every year in April. The only venue that I'm aware of in the United States that dedicates itself to bringing and supporting the, well, let's just call them the old milonguero. Some people might even argue with that term that it doesn't exist. But let's just say for the um, sake of our conversation today with Ray, we'll just use this as a point of demarcation. So, Ray, thank you very much for joining us here today. And... Um, what brought you to tango, Ray, and how long have you been involved in tango? I started tango around 2001, 2000, yeah, around 2001, by mistake. Uh, I used to be a Salcedo, and there was a club called 720 Club on 720 North Wells in Chicago, and... On the first floor was salsa, and I used to do salsa all the time. I used to go all to the salsa festivals. But on the third floor, there was tango. So one night, I decided to go up to the third floor and see what this tango was all about. So I went up to the third floor. I watched a couple people dance, and I said, hmm, this tango's interesting. I asked some people, uh, how long have that guy been dancing? Oh, about three, four years. And then I said, hmm, I'm going to be good in a year. So uh, that's how I, I got into tango about ar around 2001. Were there uh, instructors there at that time in, in that venue? It was just a really a milonga. But then I started asking. There was a guy uh, there who kind of organized. His name was Al Gates. He was one of the early guys in Chicago. And um, I asked him a lot about tango and videos and stuff. Uh, but I first started to work with a guy named Fred Romero. Um, since I did salsa, I knew that I needed to work on my technique. So for like the first year I worked on technique, he would, he would complain that I was looking down on my feet and, you know, I had to stay straight and all this other stuff. But uh, I was also working at as, a, as an executive, so I would travel a lot. And every time I would leave, I would come back. And I would have to start back at the beginning. It was one of the hardest dance I ever heard, had to learn. Um, but, you know, working with Fred, he gave me the foundation to start with tango. What, do you know when tango came to Chicago? From my recollection, I think it was like the mid-90s. There was a, a woman named Charlotte Vickstrom, I believe, and, and Jorge Nieves, who was in Argentine. They were some of the early um, leaders of tango into the community. And I think... There was also, I, you know, earlier they also came for a tango with Gavito, and, and I went and saw it, and that got me excited, but I never started until later in early 2000. And so when you um, first started dancing tango, and, and how, how did it come about for you to start your festival and then to focus on this particular venue? Around 2002, I went to, to Argentina for CETA, and I said, you know, because I wanted to go and, and learn tango, so I went to CETA, um, which is uh, 
uh, in Buenos Aires, and I um, decided to take as many classes as I could. And there were all these different styles, and, and you know, at the end of the day, my brain was, would be about ready to burst because I was learning all these steps and everything. Um, and then I went to a milonga, and when I walked in there, it was crowded. I, you know, I didn't know anything. So, but I kept, I kept, went back again, um, and I continued to learn different styles and, you know, trying to figure out where I, I could, I, I, I should go down my path. I believe um, I met Susanna Miller then, and I said, hmm, this is interesting, but I never did anything with her. The, the person I worked with a little bit at the beginning was uh, Gloria and Eduardo Akimbao, uh, and I learned... Uh, they basically taught me some simple steps. I was learning all these other things from everybody else, but when I went to the dance, it was <laughs> learning the little simple things or doing the simple things that Gloria and Eduardo taught me. And, um, but then uh, in 2004, I, uh, somebody told me about a person named Cacho Dante, who was an old milonguero, so he came, I brought, he's, I brought him to Chicago. Um, and I learned a lot of things, not f just from the dance, but sitting down and talking to him about the psychology of this dance. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, I, for the first time, I brought Susanna Miller. And she's been like my teacher for all these years, um, helping me grow with this dance. So, uh, When you say you brought them to Chicago, was that for the actual festival or was, or was this pre-festival no, no, idea? This is pre-festival. Okay. So this is 2004. What happened was that I was, uh, you know, I used to organize events of salsa in Chicago because you know, I used to be a salsero. But um, in 2004, I asked another organizer, I didn't really want to organize, to bring in Susanna Miller. And they said, no, 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 no. Nobody's going to go to any um, milonguero classes in Chicago. So I said, okay. But since I was an organizer, so I said, I'm going to organize this myself then. So we brought to Susanna Miller, and 60 people showed up. And, um, and it was great. People got to know her. But it was interesting because of the 60 people, only seven or eight were from Chicago. So I ended up getting people from the surrounding areas who knew about her. And so we continued. And then in uh, 2005, she came back again, and the same thing happened. And then in 2006, she says to me, Ray, you know what I'm going to do this year? I'm going to I'm going to bring Maria Plazola, who also danced with Gavito, to Chicago. And I said, "Well, you know, we had 60 people the previous year and, you know, and I had to pay her. Now I'm going to have two people. I have to figure out how I can I can I do this so that I could pay both of them." So I said, "Well, maybe what I'll do is I'll do this this mini tango festival." So, and then I had her and Susanna and and uh, Maria and then I brought two of the DJs uh, um, I believe it was Ramu Peretti and and Robert Houck so we had those four people and we had the first mini tango festival and, uh, and what year was that again 2006 and it was always in April April of t you know so it was it, April and was that the first festival in Chicago of any sort for tango or just the first milonguero style that no, you know. no, my festival was the first one in, in April, and then uh, then two more started that year. We had the uh, 
Chicago uh, Tango Festival, which was done in July, and then there was an international Chicago Tango Festival, which was done in August. And both of those had different, you know, the, the August one was more Salon, the the July one is more Nuevo, and then mine was, was Milonguero. So as far as these different styles go, how is the Milonguero style, is it growing in Chicago? Are people becoming more aware of of that particular style? Oh, yes, it, it, you know, because I continuously bring in teachers. I bring in teachers that I think can teach and can help people grow. I brought a number of teachers to Chicago, and, and people, con- you know, people uh, continuously take classes. I mean, uh, for me, uh, what's important is not, is not only people to take it, but men, because without the men being involved with tango and t- learning is not going to grow, you know. So communities have to get more men to grow, and that's the difficult part, as you know, all around the world, where there's always more m- women than men dancing. Is, is it difficult to um, interest people in Milonguero style? And Milonguero defined as more um, social dancing, is that right? Yeah, right? For, me it's, for me, that's basically yes. a social dancing. And no, but now... Now we've grown, the community in Chicago has grown, and we have a lot of very good dancers. And it's, you know, it's evolutionary, not revolutionary. So it takes time to, to get to that point. It seems that people get, um, new, new people especially, very excited about learning steps in tango. And I know uh, you and I share, have something in common, which is Susanna Miller. She was my first uh, teacher from Buenos Aires. And she insisted on me walking she didn't teach me any steps and do you find that's a struggle in in your particular environment to have people settle down and quiet enough to quiet down enough to learn something as simple as walking and not getting frustrated and just want to learn steps no what's happening now is we we're getting um, you know there's a lot of new people that are coming in that understand this you know because we laid the foundation and they understand, you know, what this dance is all about, you know, at least from the Milonguero sta- style. And they understand that it takes, is not only steps, but it's technique. And working on your technique, working on your walking, working on your posture, working on your embrace. I continuously do that. You know, I don't do a lot of steps. I mean, the steps happen because I'm connected to the music. And with the music, I flow and I just go. Um, so that's what's happening now is a lot of people that are coming in, they understand this. And, you know, not everybody in Chicago wants to do it, and that's fine. But, you know, I believe that everybody should do what they enjoy, whether it's Nuevo or Salon or whatever. As long as they enjoy and be involved with tango, I think you're going to get something out of it. One thing I was impressed by um, when we were talking about uh, the festival that you organize every year is that you don't actually think of it as a festival. Right. I don't mean, for me, uh, if, if I really wanted to do something where I was going to make money out of it, I would not do it. I would just keep on doing my, my job, which is being an attorney. Uh, I consider the festival my party. So when people come, they're going to have a fun time. And the instructors I bring, and that's one of the things, the people that I bring to the festival, I look at them as individuals you know, um, as how they act in life, how they interact with people, how open they are to communicate with people. And everybody that comes, 
the, the instructors, you know, you can approach them. There's no problems in approaching them. They dance with everybody. So they're milongueros. And milongueros, what they do is dance. So they don't sit down. They dance with everybody. So that's, that, you know, and so we have a great time. That's what uh, Tete taught me, you know. Tete Ricconi. Uh, you know, I met him in 2006. Uh, at the same time that I met Pocho and Nelly, the Pocho was Ruben Carreras, and Nelly is Nelida Fernando. So at, I was in, in Buenos Aires at the same time, and a friend of mine is Kathleen Erhern Prucher, had a place there, and she was taking lessons with Tete and taking lessons with Pocho and Nelly. And Tete's partner used to be Sylvia Seriani, who's you know also a DJ at Salon Canning. So we, I, I ended up taking classes with both of them, Pedro, I mean Tete and Sylvia and Pocho and Nelly. It was kind of complicated because Tete would tell me, take big steps. Pocho would tell me, take small steps. Now Tete was the master of the walls. Pocho was the master of milonga, so his 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 style was it would you know but they still had the same concepts you know and um, and I learned a lot from both of them and eventually I brought them to the festival, Tete in two thousand Tete and Sylvia in two thousand seven, and uh, Pocho and Nelly in two thousand and eight. Uh, and this is a good point to take a break. That was uh, part one of my interview with Ray Barbosa. I want to play a couple of tracks from one of my favorite singers and uh, an orchestra. These are two angels that collaborated uh, from 1940 to 1946 and recorded 93 numbers. And that's Angel Diagostino and Angel Vargas. Diagostino was unique in that he was one of the few performers of tango, musician, that was also a dancer. And he paid a lot of respect to the dancers uh, when, he, uh, when he wrote his music and he brought in the vocals and such that uh, the dancers figured prominently as part of his, uh, as part of his uh, uh, music. So we're going to hear uh, two tracks. Uh, the first one is Adios Arrabal. This was recorded in 1941. That's uh, Vargas and Diagostino. And the second one is uh, Carnaval de mi Barrio. This was uh, Angel Vargas in 1956 with um, his own orchestra. Vargas had his own orchestra um, alternately conducted by several musicians, and one of them was Edelmiro Damario. And uh, that's what you're going to hear now, Carnaval de mi Barrio. And um, Vargas's own orchestra uh, put out uh, 86 songs. So uh, we'll be back after the, um, after the two tracks. Stay tuned.
Mañanita rabalera, cinta y tapo en la vereda, ni pibas en el balcón. Tus faroles apagados y los guapos retobados en tu viejo callejón. Yo te canto envenenado, engrupido y amargado, hoy me separo de vos. Adiós arrabal porteño, yo fui tu esclavo y tu dueño y te doy mi última adiós. Madrecita, yo fui un reo y en tus brazos hoy me veo lleno de felicidad. Dime, mi buena viejita, ¿dónde está mi noviecita que no la puedo olvidar? Hoy ya vuelvo arrepentido, hecho más sombra y más bueno a la vida del hogar. Perdóname que tu hijo tiene un pensamiento fijo y nadie lo hará cambiar. El baile Rodríguez Peña, el mocho y el cachafaz de la milonga porteña que nunca más volverá. Carnavales de mi vida, noches bravas y al final los estudiantes de las pibas en aquel viejo arrabal. de fiesta con su mejor sonrisa y una ternura extraña me invade el corazón parece que las horas corrisen más deprisa y que del mismo barro brotas una canción la murga de purretes desafinando un tango machucan los oídos donde estén cada voz corriones de mi barrio que vuelcan en el fango Puñado de alegría que les regala Dios Carnaval de mi barrio Donde todo es amor 
cascabene de risa matizando el dolor carnaval de mi barrio pedacito de sol con nostalgia de luna y canción de faro Tano verdulero, sentado en la vereda, mastica su cachimbo, cansado de llorar, y en su sonrisa amarga, una nostalgia enrieda, también allá en Italia vivió su carnaval. Carnaval de mi barrio, donde todo es amor, donde todo es amor. Cascabeles de risa, matizando el dolor. Carnaval de mi barrio, pedacito de sol, con nostalgia de luna y canción de pago. And welcome back to Tango Angeles. That was uh, Angel Vargas. And um, that was recorded in 1956. Vargas died three years later in July 7th, 1959. He was not quite 55. And before that, it was uh, Diagostino and Vargas. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, the unique quality of Diagostino was that he structured his orchestra in such a way that music and singing did not interrupt the possibility of dancing. He was a milonguero himself, defined as someone fond of dancing. After his uh, collaboration with uh, Diagostino ended, Ángel Vargas, this is an interesting little side note, was given the nickname of El Ruiz Señor de las Calles Porteñas. That's uh, the nightingale of the streets of Buenos Aires. So you're listening live to Tango Angeles. I am Ronaldo, your host, and um, here is part two of my interview with Ray Barbosa. Okay, so we are here with Ray Barbosa, and... Um, you know, Ray's uh, really a fascinating guy. He is, uh, you know, so involved in this tango and such a huge contribution to bringing these uh, milongueros to Chicago. And I'll let him uh, explain uh, what his motive is behind that. Tell us about the people that you bring and why. Um, oh, man, I have my own philosophy, but... Uh you know, when I go down to Buenos Aires and I dance and I enjoy and, and I enjoy myself, um, I meet a lot of these dancers. And some of these people that I meet are fantastic. And I, and I felt that there was a need to, uh, two things. One, to bring them to the United States so that people could um, get to meet them and know about these people. But two, also to show some appreciation for some of these people that were the forefathers of, of, of this dance. And, um, you know, like I brought in, in 2007, you know, uh, 
Pedro Tete Rusconi, Tete and Sylvia. Now, of course, he went around, organized his schedule around the United States when they first started, and eventually they did, they went on their own. But and people got to meet him, and then eventually, you know, uh, they got to know him before he passed away a couple of years ago. The same thing with, uh, in 2008, I brought Porcho and Nelly, um, and, Porcho, you know, as I said, Porcho and Nelly were ma masters of, of the milonga, and I believe last uh, the year last year or the year before Pocho passed away, but people at least got to know him. And for for Nelly and Pocho, this was fantastic. You know, they were in their seventies. Right now, Nelly is seventy-eight. I think Pocho died at eighty-one. But people got to meet him, and for them, this was like a dream come true. They never expected to be able to, to go to United States. So I gave them the opportunity. We also brought in. 2009, Ruben Hadrenbat and 2008 also. And Ruben Hadrenbat, or who used to call Ruben de Popeya, because uh, that was a part of, of Buenos Aires and, you know, where they, they would dance. He came with Enriquete Climbing, and I will talk about Enriquete Climbing uh, later, who just passed away recently, uh, unfortunately. And, and this year we have her as, you know, we're doing it in memoriam for her. She just passed away in January, but going back to Ruben, um, you know, Ruben came, and he came for a couple of years. People got to know him. He's a very friendly guy. He was just a, he was a post office guy, you know, so it wasn't nothing fancy. He just loved to dance, and he, everybody loved to dance. So he was so playful. We had in 2010, Alberto Dasu and Paulina Spinoza, and Alberto just recently died. But people got to, got to know him. He was the master of Valls and Pugliese. 2000, that year, we also brought Ricardo El Pibe Sarandi Macieras, another guy. Um, and in 2011, we brought Blas Catrano and Enriquete Kleinman. So we bring in, we brought all these, 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 these guys that um, um, I felt were important for people to know. And in 2012 and 13, we brought Oswaldo Natucci with Enriquete Kleinman. And Oswaldo Natucci was a premier DJ at um, El Beso, but he also was a great teacher. So we brought all these people, and including a lot of younger people, a lot of uh, you know uh, great people. We you know we brought Susanna Miller, Maria Plazola, Marcella Duran, Oscar Casas, and and Anna Miguel, Alicia Pons. So we we brought a number of people to to the festival because what I was trying to do was just recreate Buenos Aires El Beso or in in Chicago, you know. And, uh, and, you know, every year we do it, it's like, it's like my big party, and everybody has fun. It's so important to uh, populate our tango community with the people that you're bringing, because these are the people that embody tango as it was danced so long ago, and fewer and fewer of those people exist. And pretty soon, it's going to be left to pass on that DNA. So really, the work that you do is tremendous. So that's part of what I do is I try to bring these people in. I work with them to try to get their visas, and I bring them here um, to get them their visa. But, you know, some, you know, some of these guys are just regular guys. They don't even think about They just go out there and they enjoy the dance. They don't want to worry about all this paper and all this other stuff. They just love dancing, and that's part of what Milonguero is. 
Milonguero is a man, a person who goes out and dances every night. You know, that's what a Milonguero is. It's not, a, you know, a style or anything. It's just somebody who loves to dance, and they go out all the time. That's a, a beautiful definition. And um, let's talk about uh, your festival a little more in depth, and specifically tell us who you're bringing in this year. Um, you helped to get the visa also for uh, Facundo Mbao. Yes, I did Facundo de la Cruz and, and, and Paola Sanz, at the 2012 World Champions and uh, World Tango Champions. And I also got the visa for Maximiano Cristiani and Jessica Arfanoni, the 2013 World Tango Champions, who will be at the festival this year. Um, this year's festival, like I mentioned, Enriqueta Kleinman, who's been there many years, unfortunately passed away in January. So we're going to do it in memoriam to, to, to her. We're going to have a big night, Saturday night, um, celebrating her. I'm trying to bring somebody, a, a fantastic DJ, a friend of hers from, from Buenos Aires for the festival. And um, hopefully we can get her visa so that we can bring her in. But I won't. Oh, I said it's a hurt, but <laughs> so, okay. But anyway, um, besides, you know, the world champions, we also have Marcelo Duran, who was the first partner of Gavito. And she now lives in Kentucky with her husband, uh, Luis Bravo, who does Forever Tango. And it was Forever Tango in Broadway, you know, this year. Um, we also have Alicia Pons, who everybody knows. She's a fantastic. Uh, She's great. She's great. She's, she, she's a grateful woman, and she was great for me. She taught me about connection, you know, how to connect. Not steps, just connect my body to a woman's body. And so this year she, we decided to bring, you know, a partner. So we're bringing this fantastic guy, Luis Rojas. It was a little difficult getting his visa, but we, I had to fly to Italy to go to the consulate with him in Florence, uh, to get him his visa because he had some problems last year. But I went and uh, went to Florence, and, and I tried to go in with him. They, and I said, they said, you can't go in there. I said, I'm his lawyer, and I'm his, uh, <laughs> and I have all the papers. He said, well, you want to need to talk to the U.S. counsel. And I talked to the U.S. counsel. The counsel said, um, you can't come in, but I can speak English. I mean, I speak Spanish, and I can, I can uh, talk to him. You know, so he went in there. He took 30, 40 minutes, so I knew that probably he was going to get his visa. The first question he told me, they asked him, what's your attorney doing here? And he says, well, uh, anyway. But, you know, so these, these are the steps that I have. To, I do. I go and try to make sure that this festival is, is going to be great. And Luis is fantastic. He, he, he's a fantastic guy. When him, him and Alicia are fantastic dancers. They dance milonga. They dance a lot of things. And then, of course, we also bring in who's been here many years, Oscar Casas and uh, Anna Miguel. They are wonderful. They are friend of friendly, fun, crazy people. I mean, I do a lot of, I mean, I go places with Oscar, and when we are together, we just kind of go off a little bit. But anyway, this is, this is what I do. I mean, I, I, I do dancing because it's, my jobs have always been stressful, and this is the way I relax. You know, sublimation. I, I go somewhere else when I dance, and I don't have to worry about all this stuff. What I'm doing, because I just connect with the music. Now, in the festival this year is from April 10th through the 13th uh, in Chicago. is at the Rosemont Hilton, um, which is 5550 North River Road in Rosemont. 
And, you know, if you want more information, you can go to www.chicagotanglefestival.com. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a great festival. Uh, every year it, it, we get better and better people coming because they know the quality of the dancing and the quality of the instructors. Excellent. Good time to take another quick little music break. And uh, nothing more traditional than the unforgettable, prolific Francisco Canaro. Uh, two tracks we're going to listen to next. Uh, the first one is Gloria. This was uh, performed by the Quinteto Don Pancho, directed by Francisco Canaro, recorded in 1939. Interestingly enough, uh, music is written by his brother Umberto Canaro and the lyrics by Armando Tajini. And uh, after that, we'll hear the uh, Hotel Victoria, which was recorded by Canaro in uh, 1935. You know, it's an interesting little story about the, uh, the origin of this song. Um, it's rather mysterious. Some argue it's an anonymous tango. However, there is a historian from Córdoba. He affirms it is a tango from Córdoba, which was composed by Feliciano Latasa, And this was for the opening on January 4th, 1906, of the enlargement of the Grand Hotel Victoria in that city. Well, there may be some special interest involved here, but um, awesome story anyway. We'll listen to these two tracks, and uh, then we'll be back with uh, part three of our interview with Ray Barbosa. Stay tuned. Thank you. 
Tango Angeles, we are here with Ray Barbosa. And Ray, um, your festival this year is in honor of Enriqueta Kleiman. I, she also was one of my teachers. Uh, one year she actually came with uh, Ruben, hiring Bar Ruben, uh, Ruben from Pompeya, and Enriqueta and I had private classes with them. So um, I know I want to take a few minutes to speak about Enriqueta and you know her a lot more intimately, so I'm going to let you do this. Enriqueta was, you know, a wonderful person, you know, and, and, and I could say she, she was not only a tango teacher, but she was my, my best friend, okay? I would talk to her almost every other day, um, and we would talk about a lot of different things about life, about tango, about a number of things, and... and I could bounce off whatever I could with her, and she would bounce off whatever she did w with me. Um, I met Enriqueta in 2007 
at uh, a Milongiando festival uh, done by Susanna um, Miller and Maria Plazola in Buenos Aires. And so um, there was a, uh, we had some performances by some of the, the better students. And so I met her, she came with her partner, and I was dancing with an Italian woman, you know, um, at that time. But then she mentioned to me that she was going to come to Chicago. She knew I was from Chicago and that maybe she'd see me when she come to Chicago. Because her son was getting his, his studying for his Ph.D. at the University of Chicago. And I said, okay, sure. I, I'm going to be there in May. So May comes by. She never shows up. But then June comes by. She calls me and says she's in town. I said, oh, wow. And at that time, you know, one thing about Enriqueta, she had been dancing for a long time. And she was one of the most sought-after dancers in Buenos Aires. And she taught a little bit, but she really um, didn't teach a lot. But at that time, I said, well, if you're here, why don't we take advantage of you being here and you can, you know, teach some of the people in Chicago. So I set up some stuff for her uh, in Chicago and people came and she did some ladies technique classes, which kind of drew the, uh, made the woman go crazy because it was very difficult, you know, the stuff she was teaching. But that was 2007. And then I said, why don't you start teaching? Because she was she was in between jobs. She used to be a man, uh, I think, marketing salesperson for some hotels, and so I said, "Why don't you start teaching?" Um, so I kind of organized for her, opened up the doors for for her to start teaching in the United States, and she jumped in with both feet. And you know, from 2008, she came with uh, to the festival like five. This was going to be the sixth year, and um, uh, you know, but she would do whatever to help you know, grow tango. And this year she came to me and said, Ray, what I really want to do is I want to run the beginner program. So I want to do it. I want to teach him because I think the future is with beginners. And so, you know, a lot of teachers that come to festivals, they want to do all the fancy stuff, but she was willing to sacrifice and, and, and deal with, you know, growing beginners. Um, and so, as I said, she also did, she would also go and find all these milongueros that were great, you know, Ruben and, and Blas and all these people, Oswaldo Natucci, and she would um, suggest to me, that let's bring these people to the festival. And so we would bring them, she would work with them over the months, and they would coordinate and they would come to the festival, and then we would do a tour with them. But she really also helped in that fashion because, you know, she was, uh, um, uh, she knew, she knew English because she lived in New York for a while. As a matter of fact, her, her, uh, son that went to University of Chicago was born in New York. And eventually I got her a permanent, a green card, permanent residence by, because her son was there. But, um, not only that, she was a wonderful person. She was a wonderful human being, uh, she was, she had a lot of talent. She was a classy woman. She had, she was an artist. You know, I went down to her a memorial service in Buenos Aires. And when I got to her house, they were going to have an art show. They had 14 big paintings of her, but she had over 50 paintings that she had done. And she was also a pianist, a wonderful pianist. And she was a wonderful singer. So she had all these talents. She was a very classy woman. And, you know, and when she met people, 
she was, uh, she, you know, she, some people would get uh, upset with her because she was, she didn't care about if you took classes with her or not. She really loved people. And sometimes she would, she'd be a little bit hard, so she would kind of tell you something that would make you upset because, but it wasn't something to make you upset. It was something to make you better. And uh, after a while, the person would think and say, you know, Enriqueta really didn't want to, um, you know, upset me. She really wanted to help me. And so those people that knew her around the United States uh, were really upset when she passed away because she entered into their lives not only with Tango but with who she was. And, you know, there was a lot of things, and, and it's unfortunate, you know, she was only 61 when she passed, and she was about ready to explode on this, you know, in the United States, and uh, and it was so sad, you know, when I heard about it, I was in shock, you know, and, 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 and it caused me to delay everything because I, I went down to Buenos Aires to deal with, you know, uh, her, her two sons. And, but, again, this, is, this year we're going to do something in honor of her, and the Saturday evening, um, she'll be missed. And again, the dates for your festival is are April 10th through the 13th. Actually, the 14th because the milonga ends on a Sunday night at 2 or 3 a.m., so it's technically the 14th. But right. April 10th through the 13th, the Chicago Mini Festival, uh, or or we'll just call it Ray's um, Party. Party. <laughs> But um, yeah, the you know we we have, I think we you know we have a number of classes. Uh, I think over like thirty classes this year. We expanded it, and we have ten milongas and practicas. We have Saturday, Friday, and Saturday last year. We go to five six o'clock in the morning, and um, you know we have the place packed. You know because we bring in these, I you know we bring in DJs that know how to, you know uh, that I feel. Are just like being in Buenos Aires, and they just keep the keep keep the crowd just dancing and dancing, and you know, and you you know you get on a high and you just keep on going. So we go until you know people want to stop. And thank you for doing this for the greater tango community. And I, I'm I'm a big proponent of that. These these milongueros that have been dancing for forty years or plus, they're real treasures in our community and we need to in my opinion uh take advantage while they're all still around and as as Susanna Miller said to me once um she met an 80 year old guy and you know the guy said to her she said how are you doing he says well I'm doing great I'm just learning how to walk and he's been dancing for 60 years so you got to continuously my focus is to continue to continuously make my walking better and better my embrace better and better my connection better better to relax more and to really to make the woman feel wonderful for me it's the woman is the picture and i am the frame and i'm going to make her feel great and on that note that's a uh, great way to end our interview with ray barbosa ray thank you so very much for taking the time i know you're very pressed for time here in Los Angeles while you're here and and for the great wonderful work that you do to um, uh, to contribute to the greater tango community and I you know I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity uh, to come out here thank you very much Ray thank you for being here Gracias. one more question we ask this of all of our guests 
in one word or less, tell us what is tango for you? If you were to say tango is... Tango is passion. Thank you very much. And that was part three of my interview with Ray Barbosa. And Ray, I want to thank you very much again for having done this with us. It's a wonderful, wonderful interview. I greatly enjoyed uh, uh, working on this in the editing room. You know, um, if there's anything to be learned from here is that in tango, as in life, you get back what you give. And the greatest pleasure for any man dancing tango is to give and, uh, and embrace that woman. And so that was Ray Barbosa, director of the Chicago Mini Tango Festival. And that is uh, April 10th through the 13th, 14th. There's still time to make arrangements to be there. If, um, if at all you can go, you should, I absolutely care, uh, recommend this for anybody to be close to, to those people. Um, we're going to play um, a music break. And uh, we're going to read our, uh, we have a love in the space of a song we're going to read. And then after that, we'll come back with our uh, second interview with my personal diva, Anna Wiseman. And stay tuned. We'll be back. Welcome back. 
back to Tango Ángeles. That was uh, Lo Que Vino En Mis Ojos. That was performed by Francisco Lomuto. On vocal, that was uh, Fernando Díaz and Mercedes Simone, recorded in 1933. And it's a song written by the other Canaro, Juan, Juan Canaro, and the lyrics by Jesús Fernández Blanco. We're going to be doing uh, Love in the Space of a Song next. Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. I'll hum it for you. You must remember this. A kiss is just a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply as time goes by. This uh, comes to us from uh, Johanna Siegman. She is also the author of a book entitled The Tao of Tango. This is a perfect story because it is about one of those nameless milongueros, everyday folks, who just enjoy dancing. This is entitled Jose and the Cabeceo. I always arrived at Milongas early because I would inevitably be seated in the front row and I could watch people dance. On this night, at Viejo Correo, as I settled into my chair next to another woman who had arrived early, I noticed a very elderly gentleman sitting against the wall opposite of me. He kept staring at me, and I, a novice at this cabeceo business, wasn't sure if he was cabeceoing me. So after a few minutes of him staring at me, I decided to cabeceo him back. The response wasn't quite what I expected. With utter panic on his face, he mouthed the word no and shook his head violently. I felt horrible, having committed what was clearly the worst faux pas in tango history. The woman next to me tapped me on the arm and explained that Jose was very sick with stomach cancer, but didn't know it. How can he not know it? I exclaimed. And why do you know it? She smiled and said his sister knew, but didn't want him to know. He used to be the best dancer and very tall and handsome. At that moment, I felt a gentle tap on my other arm and was surprised to see Jose at my side. He sat down next to me and explained apologetically that he would love to dance, but was very sick and no longer had the strength to do so. He lost 58 kilos, and now his teeth didn't even fit. To prove it, he showed me his loose dentures. Then he asked if I'd been invited to dance yet. As I hadn't, he proceeded to procure dancers for me. Whether these gentlemen wanted to dance with me or not was not as important as it was for them to please Jose. At one point, the room was so smoky and hot, I moved to the back of the room where there were many tables with plenty of room. I asked one group at a table with an empty chair if I could join them and was warmly invited to sit. As soon as I did, there was a tap on my shoulder and sitting right next to me at the next table was Jose. 
He said, you sat at my son's table, he exclaimed. And then we all re-greeted each other with great enthusiasm as they adopted me into their family. We watched the dancers in their tango trance. When a valstanda started to play, Jose turned to me, and in a voice loud enough to be heard by everyone at my table, said, I'm about to do something that is going to cause everyone to open their mouth in amazement. Then added, Would you honor this old man with a valse? Indeed, everyone at the table stared in open-mouthed amazement as he led me onto the dance floor for one beautiful, poignant, bittersweet waltz. He was frail and weak, but his agility was unmistakable. I willed myself to be as light as a cloud in his arms, and when the song ended, he looked at me with tears in his eyes, thanked me, and led me back to the table. It was all he could manage. It was enough, and I knew that it was the last person he was ever going to dance with again. Thank you, Sigmund, for that beautiful story. And again, uh, this is one of those nameless milongueros whose names we might not even know. But nevertheless, he obviously has left an indelible mark on Johanna's dancing life. Once again, um, putting out the call for stories it's always open 500 words or less love and the space of a song please send your stories to info at tangoangeles.com so continuing on with the tradition uh, with the theme of the traditional form of dancing and getting close to the heat who better represents this than my personal diva and my favorite darienzo partner and this is the woman that men want to get close to. I'm going to start this segment with a poem that was inspired by our guest, Anna Wiseman. Not only did she inspire me to get better so that I could one day be able to dance with her. In fact, one day, after many years of dancing and practicing my walk, Anna came up to me out of nowhere at a milonga in Seattle and said to me, and I quote, either I'm going to dance with you or I'm going home. And I can't tell you how moved and touched I was that this is the woman when I first started dancing, I used to look and go, my God, one day I hope to be able to dance with her. Anyway, uh, my producer EJ uh, was inspired to write this poem and she wrote this poem independently uh, from each other before we even met is what makes this uh, story, uh, story even a little more amazing. Uh, the poem is entitled When I Saw Anna Wiseman Tango Across the Floor. When I saw Anna Wiseman Tango across the floor, I wondered if the gringos and gringas in her classes ever see her. When their eyes are glazed over Spanish subjunctives, do they see her? But then, does she see them? Or does her yearning heart sneak out of the gray classroom, fly across the equator back to her tango country, back to the narrow old streets of Buenos Aires? When I saw Anna Wiseman glide across the floor, lingering for a split second, like a perfect syncopation, before she started her backward ocho, did I see her? Or did I see 
passion gliding in glimmering red stilettos with ankle straps. Memories of endless milonga, milonga, where the men hold the women's hearts as they dance, where the music relentlessly takes you back to your deepest ache. I see a profile of a blind man briefly lit by his lighter. He looks familiar. When I see Anna Wiseman dance across the floor, leaning into her nameless partner, is it Jorge Luis Borges I see at the corner table? Thank you for that beautiful poem. And um, let's go right into part one of my interview with Anna. So we have with us this evening Anna Wiseman visiting us here from Seattle. And I first met Anna a few years ago while I was more or less dancing, learning how to dance in Seattle. And I found her to be, I consider her one of the divas in dancing these days because she just, she's a porteña number one, but she has the, in my opinion, the energy and the feeling for what tango is, and especially in the, in the close embrace. So, Ana, thank you for being here with us in uh, Tango Angeles. And what I'm curious to know from you is you've been dancing longer than I have, and a little bit about your background, what brought you to tango. I understand that you have other experiences in dancing, and tango obviously is one of the central features of your experience. But more or less, what I'd like to know is a little bit of your background first. Tell us who, who you are and where you come from in dancing. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, I have to say that, like all expats, uh, I learned tango outside of Argentina. There was no other alternative because I was not living there. Originally, I danced classical ballet until I was too old to look good in a tutu. (laughs) So then I decided that the next best thing for me was either flamenco or tango. And because I had always heard the tango music since I was very young, and also because it involved dancing with somebody else, dancing with a partner, I chose the venue of tango. And so I learned how to dance tango when I was in Seattle. I started with some local teachers, um, American teachers really, but who respected the, the traditional form and technique of tango, known as tango from Buenos Aires. And as I learned with them, I realized that I needed further further training. And so that gave me an opportunity to go back to Argentina and take classes, get involved in, in group classes and in private lessons and whatnot, and, and also going to the milongas in Buenos Aires as often as I could. So that's basically my experience with it. And the more I got into it, the more I could not stay away from it. So it became almost like a vice. I started to listen to music and danced almost continually. And ultimately, I, I learned about the music. I studied about the music and... I am fortunately DJing in some of the local milongas in Seattle now, and that's very, very pleasurable. My experience is very similar to yours. I came to tango in the same way. I grew up in Buenos Aires, and I 
experienced my parents dancing with their friends at the at some of the clubs and when they couldn't find a babysitter for me they had to drag me along and I sat there while they watched and I think somehow I was imprinted with it and when I first started dancing and listening to the music I'd, something inside of me came alive and I realized how much I love this thing and uh, part of the reason why I'm even doing the show but that's that's digressing. The point that I'm seeing for myself is my experience was the same is that I had teachers, American teachers and that's how I got into it but then I had a series of teachers from Buenos Aires who practiced the what's called the Milonguero style. And I discovered that what a deep pleasure that was for me to, to dance at Close Embrace. And a few times I found myself, it was really, I mean, I don't mean to sound cliche, but it was really an ethereal experience. And so, but I see in some ways how the tango that I see in other venues is is not practicing that, and I'm not judging it anyway, other than to say that it seems to be changing. And so how do you feel that the tango is, is changing, or is it changing for you? Yes, it's definitely changing, and it's almost, it's inevitable, really, because it's, it's part of the evolution of tango. Part of anything that leaves home is going to be changed by by its being in contact with people. It happens to people and it happens to the musical and, uh, and the dance um, of Argentina. As it goes abroad and it becomes known beyond its borders, I think people adopt it and adapt it to their own interpretation and needs, really. And um, it, in some ways it's... it's it's sort of a pity to lose that very lovely, simple, passionate way of dancing tango on a floor full of people who are all feeling the same thing, basically, and sharing that experience. And that is what nowadays is called the milonguero style, meaning close embrace, you keep to yourself and to your partner, as opposed to the fairly flowery and gymnastic type of tango that is almost export tango, which is what most people are are familiar with because they go to YouTube and they enjoy seeing the flary and flowery form of dancing by very professional people indeed, but that's just not what lay people like you and me are, are looking for on a, on a dance floor. So tango definitely has evolved and it has changed and it's inevitable and some of it is to me somewhat acceptable if it is of something, a form that is going to be danced in a social way and that is going to respect the boundaries of somebody else, that is to say the, the non-kicking type of tango. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the other form of tango, which is the, the more traditional one, well, it's still quite kept in Argentina. You know, that's when you go to the milongas in Argentina, you notice that most people will dance it that way, very simply, and uh, very personally and privately. Well, except that many times when I go to, to the dances, for example, here in the Los Angeles area, and you have the people that come and they teach and they perform, they are from Argentina. These people are from Buenos Aires, and they're practicing the, the Milo, the, 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 uh, I was going to say Milonguero, I, was, I don't want to label it. They're, they're practicing their form of dancing. This is how... I'm uh, younger Argentinian couples are 
interpreting the dance these days, and this and this is what people seem to really like and really get excited about, the, the you know the steps and the high kicks and et cetera, et cetera, which obviously is really difficult to do that when you're dancing in social dancing, in crowded dances in Buenos Aires, for example. However, what I find to be true is that the milongueros, the quote-unquote milongueros, these people that came from the 30s and 40s, and they're dying off. So how do you preserve that? I mean, are, are the younger generation of people practicing and interpreting their tango and their vision of what it is, is it inevitably rooted in the old style and you can't get rid of it no matter how far you stretch it and bend it? Or is it doomed to be breeded away, if you will? Well, yes, that's um, that's a possibility <laughs> that it it is going to disappear. But um, in the meantime, I think tango and the original form of tango, the one that you and I referred to, the close embrace, the simple, uh, passionate way of dancing tango, is a little bit like an ancient building that has to be preserved and sometimes it will just have to be an iconic thing uh, either people like you and I who are the only few ones who preserve that together with some old masters who come from Argentina because you're right the, the tango that, it, that, that the masters or that the, the, the more professional people teach outside of Argentina is a, a fairly show type of tango I don't really know whether that has to do with the fact that they are the younger generation or whether that is what, quote, sells better um, uh, or is interpreted that way outside. Uh, it's, I think people want to see something, and when, when, when an old milonguero dances tango, they, they really don't do very much. You know, it's, it, the traditional tango is supposed to be done, tango in general is supposed to be danced for your partner, right? So I dance it for my lead and my lead dances for me, um, and I will follow. But, um, but there is also the very lovely, charming way of staging tango, which is what the younger people will do nowadays. And um, either we have to try to instill in younger people a possibility that this is really lovely, it's a very simple, lovely form of tango, and it's a very practical way of dancing tango in a busy full um, floor <laughs> and you know you cannot really be doing passes and cortes and all sorts of things when when there is a, a, a very crowded floor so either we do that or else we just have to enjoy it ourselves while we can and then just let it follow its own you know fate and that was part one of my interview with Hannah Wiseman We'll take a quick music break. Uh, this is called Ole Guapa. Guapa is um, translated as a uh, gorgeous with a touch of sensuality. This is performed by Florindo Sassone and his orchestra. Stay tuned. <laughs> Thank you. 
And that was uh, Ole Guapa by uh, Florindo Sassone and his orchestra. And, uh, you know, to me, Guapa is uh, Lauren Bacall. Anyway, we're back with uh, part two of my interview with uh, Anna Wiseman. So, Anna, you mentioned about tango and the version that we see as being the more showy type as being a more profitable one which is interesting because then it becomes an export product. So how do you see, how does one get back to tango when it's being exported in such a different form than where it started? Well, hopefully, tango will uh, naturally and automatically go to its, back to its own roots because what I am thinking about is that during the last century, uh, when tango migrated to France, and all sorts of strange things happened to it, like you will remember the Apache dance, and that was the French interpretation of, of this dance that was created in Argentina, and it was danced in the bordellos, very close embrace, very personal and very private, uh, very caché, and, and um, so when it was exported by, uh, by Argentine men into France, it just sort of got loose from its... Uh, from its cradle and it just went crazy and it did all sorts of things but somehow naturally tango never changed in Argentina and it stayed uh, changing slightly I should say of course because it, some, as it became public some, some things did have to change it became a salon dance and now middle class people and uh, dance tango and, and everybody else was, you know, it was acceptable for anybody from any family to dance tango, so it was okay, and then young women would dance tango. And nowadays that's really a wonderful, uh, a, a wonderful situation where you really see incredibly uh, talented young people coming from, from any, any kind of background dancing tango. So I think that maybe hopefully if we, if the few of us insist that tango should be preserved in its original form and uh, let it just go, let it go in it, its own way as people interpret it in different parts of the world and different times of, of history, it will probably go back to its own bed like a river that has been disturbed somehow by a flood mm -hmm. and then it goes back to its own bed. <laughs> Hopefully that's true. Yeah. In my own personal experience, that's the way tango is. It's a, it's a, I wonder, for me, if it has anything to do when you dance the close embrace that you happen to be touching in three of your chakra points of your body. And I wonder just how much of a zen is involved in that close embrace dancing. That I mean, now that we know what it is, since we've discovered the science of it, unbeknownst to the people who started tango in Buenos Aires in the early 1900s, all the immigrants who did what they did, etc. What do you feel about that? Well, there is no question that my choice of tango had to do with the connection with another being, another human being, and I think that is absolutely elemental and basic and essential for tango. And, um, and basically that has been uh, lost in the more modern in versions of tango, in the open tango, or what is called tango nuevo, or nuevo tango, and um, 
people dancing without really being very close, dancing the way you used to dance rock and roll. You, you, you hold each other's hands and you twirl around and you do things, but you really are not in touch, in contact with them. And that to me is very important. When you're very close to somebody else, there is a completely, you can almost feel the other person's heart because it's the chest to the connection and the other person breathing. And it's a very silent agreement. And that is what's really lovely about tango. How am I going to negotiate being close to this person? I have never seen this person before. I have never been this close to this person before. I will never be this close to this person before again. But yet, we have this physical and nonverbal understanding that we are going to go in one direction. And that is what is irreplaceable in tango for me. That kind of... Uh, of intimacy that tango offers. And while we watch people dancing in the open style, they seem to be connected in their own way, enjoying their the, the steps and the, the really gloriously fancy things that they do with it. And so I'm just wondering if you think that they feel that they're that connected. I am, I am sure they are. For me, tango is not that kind of connection. I can, I can dance tango open and I can do flowery things. I have done that for shows uh, in festivals. And it's, uh, it, it has its own... Uh, I get my own... Obviously, it just sends you in its own high. You know, there is no question about it that you do take a pleasure in doing that kind of thing. But for me, that is more motion and more movement the type of motion and movement and the, the enjoyment of moving to music that I used to experience when I danced ballet, for instance, in which I was really not connected to my partner, where I used to have to tell my partner what to do. And, and in this case, that's a taboo thing. In tango, you just have to listen to what your partner suggests to you that you should do. But uh, I am sure that, that open, the nuevo people have their own enjoyment. That's That's... Yeah, they do have their connection and their way of communicating. Uh, and it certainly isn't uh, my way, but obviously they get along very well. And there are wonderful couples who do amazingly intricate steps to the point where you don't even know who is doing what. Mm -hmm. You cannot really, they do it so fast and so efficiently that you just don't notice how they're doing it. Sometimes I, I stay slowing down my YouTube film, trying to figure out how, where did that like come from? Where, where is the foot going to? And uh, so, but they, they seem to be in tune with each other and they seem to have a completely wonderful agreement and understanding about who's doing what. That's what I find that's true about the tango is that no matter you, what you mentioned is that people coming together around the dance and, and you have this understanding with a total stranger. What, what is that thing you think that brings people together, that, that thing? What is it that, that you think tango touches inside of all of us uh, that, that that we do share this thing with a total stranger. I mean, sometimes you wouldn't even be this close with your own uh, husband or wife, for example. That's true. You know? And so it's almost like, uh, well, anyway, the point is, is, is what, what is that? What is it that we long for, that people want to come and listen to the same tunes over and over again and dance around the same tune, perfecting this art or, or this connection and finding that, 
that, that place where you're almost like walking on air. I, I've had that experience before. What, what, what do you think that is for you, Anna? Or maybe in general, for what do you think it is for people and, and right. for you? Well, for me, it has to do with the capacity of music to make you feel, have physical feelings. Uh, music makes me react physically. And I think that that's probably what happens to a lot of people, or, or hopefully to most people. They, they hear this music that, that is extremely attractive, that is incredibly rhythmic, and I think most of us do have rhythm in ourselves, even the way we walk. When we walk, we are just walking to rhythm. We are creating our own rhythm. And so if something else is a sound, uh, incites us to, to create rhythm, that in itself is one, one uh, factor that makes us dance and want to share that with somebody else. And the second thing for me is that it, it, I find it extremely uh, pleasurable to, to agree with somebody to do something, uh, to go forward, to go backwards. Somebody opens the way for me and I'm going to do a little, a little decoration on the floor. It's a little message and, and somebody is asking me to give that person something. And I will be gracious to do that. And I think that that particular connection that is created through music and through rhythm that I personally find uh, irreplaceable. And only tango can do it because of the form of tango itself. It's something that you have to... It's a, it's, a, it's a form of music that you have to dance with somebody else. You cannot dan dance tango by yourself. It's just it, it's a <laughs> contradiction in terms. As the, as the expression goes, it takes two to tango. You know, you can't do it alone. Well, that brings up an interesting little side subject to that is you're right, you can't dance it by yourself. Is it necessarily a man-woman dance? The energy shared between a man and a woman, or do you think a woman and a woman, or a man and a man dancing can share the same energy and find that same center spot in your universe and your soul that everybody is seeking? Really, I think that's what people are looking mm -hmm. for to to be touched in that most deepest place where where might we might be the most vulnerable. And where we don't open up to that to the rest of the world in our daily lives, when we go to work or shopping in the supermarket, we don't open up that way to people. But in the dance, it's incredible how you totally open yourself up, and people give into that to themselves. A woman is being led by a man, but yet is independent to move her own way at the same time the man is leading. It's incredible, really. Well, yes, you have said it, and I think all human beings share in that feeling, and that definitely it just doesn't matter who leads whom. Uh, I mean, a man can lead a man, a woman can lead a woman, and it's just that particular moment and that particular connection that is important, and I am sure that it not only it is shared, by same-sex couples, but it should be shared by same-sex couples. They, they're people who um, have decided that they find it 
nicer to dance with uh, somebody from the opposite sex, from the same sex rather than the opposite sex. Now, traditionally, tango has been like that, and all of us heterosexual people would not change it. I mean, when a woman asks me to dance, I just have to decline. I don't find it pleasurable to dance with a woman. But I am sure that a lot of women are looking forward to dancing with their favorite female partner. Okay, that's um, an infinitely fascinating subject and a lot more to discuss there. Uh, we'll take a quick uh, two-song break. That uh, end, so I have to play this after all. Uh, the first track is uh, Florida by Darienzo um, uh, and his orchestra, recorded in 1938, and then uh, Chagüe, Mandria, and this was done in 1939, and then we'll be back with uh, part three of Anna Wiseman's interview. Stay tuned.
mucho no se aflija si hasta el cuchillo se lo presto si te que en la cancha que usted elija he de dir y el fija no poner mal gesto yo con el cabo en mi revenque tengo de sobra pa' cobrarme nunca he sido un maula se lo juro y en ningún apuro me sabré achicar Váyase con ella la cobarde, dígale que es tarde, pero me And welcome back to Tango Angeles. This is uh, part three of my interview with Anna Wiseman. This has been a really wonderful discussion and obviously one that will probably continue for a very long time. So, Anna, we've been talking about this and... Tell me about where you think this is going. For me, tango is going and going, going, going forever because that's one of the beautiful things. As long as I am able to walk and stand on my own, I will be looking forward to dancing tango. And um, um, I also think that tango will go on evolving and hopefully people will be able to see that uh, there isn't an ultimate tango, there isn't an ultimate form of tango, that every bit and every interpretation of tango everywhere is valid and it should actually be incorporated to an original idea of where tango came from. And I think that's what people have to keep in mind. You know, sure, this is the way I dance tango and this is the way I see it. However, tango did come from something much simpler, um, as, as I was thinking that the tango came from, from neighborhoods where people didn't even have a, a floor, a decent floor to dance tango. Sometimes it was dirt floors and sometimes they couldn't even pivot. Sometimes they didn't even wear high heels. I mean, tango has very basic, intimate forms. Uh, original, the, the original form of tango came from that. And so we cannot really lose track of that. And so what is wonderful but the exploration of tango is that wherever you go, uh, tango uh, affords you a big family. It's a big, big family. If wherever you go, if you go to a milonga, you know that people are doing exactly what you're doing, and they understand what you're all about, and you share something in common. It doesn't matter what country you go to. It's amazing the the connections that you can establish by just showing up at a milonga in Berlin or a milonga in in uh, Villino Valdarno or in Italy or or in Paris or whatever it doesn't matter. What is your opinion about technique versus just dancing? 
Right. Well, you you And right. who cares what it looks like? Exactly. And I agree with that. I think technique is wonderful because it makes it, it improves movement in 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 it it affords you to it it makes you capable of doing certain things, certain movements that you wouldn't be able to do them. But but on the other hand, technique should not really override the, the the simple idea that tango was danced by simple people who did not have a, an idea of technique, who couldn't care less about technique. They just simply wanted to be able to go out and dance with somebody they looked forward to dancing with. And that is the way today. And technique is very good, very wonderful, if you really want to do something clean and, and big and maybe... Uh, you know, improve your form of dancing tango, but it should not really be the most important part of tango dancing. And that's what tango is. And uh, thank you, Anna, very much for being here with us. It's always a pleasure. And uh, we have a milonga to go to tonight, so... Um, I am looking forward to dancing with you. Thank you very much. Me too. <laughs> and uh, it's been such a pleasure having you here and to hear your opinions and your comments about your experience with tango. For me, it's so important to learn about these things and continue to learn about it and continue to explore it. And in my personal experience, what I've discovered from it is that it is important to keep where tango comes from. And I've had such a great pleasure learning from these people like Muma Valino. I've learned from Alicia Pons. And uh, the late Tete Riccone, he was a great milonguero from, from the 40s. And, um, and With great, simple technique. Great, simple technique. Uh, Ruben Harimbat and uh, Enriqueta Kleinman, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, these people are around, and we need to take advantage of them while they're here and get a piece of their DNA to maintain for ourselves that even no matter, I think, where our dance takes us, that it's important to keep that as part of the dance, that, that earth and that dirt in your toes as you dance around <laughs> and kick up the dirt and, and experience that wonderful feeling. Because it really doesn't matter where you dance it. When you have that connection with somebody, it's, it's uh, heaven on earth. Anyway, thank you very much, Anna, for being here. It's really great having you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. After the um, interview, I had a great time dancing with Ana at the Argentine Association here in Los Angeles. It's a place where the old-fashioned tango is preserved, and um, every Sunday you can find a lot of these uh, milongueros that we've been talking about. Anyway, uh, we have to wrap up our show. It's always amazing how quickly time flies here. Uh, remember, Chicago Mini Tango Festival, race party, April 10th through the 14th. There's still time to make arrangements for that. Also, the San Francisco U.S. Championship, April 17th through 20th. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks, April 16th. Our show will be uh, Joe Powers and the Hugo Diaz Show, the power of the harmonica and tango music, plus a uh, surprise guest to go along with that. Uh, please stay tuned next for the Dr. Shirley and Steve show. And tonight, uh, La Comparsita is brought to you by Edgardo Donato. Uh, his birthday this month, born April 14th in 1897. So thank you very much for listening to our show. 
I am Ronaldo, your host, and from Hollywood, California, good night. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.